1: Hey, Nathan, guess where I was at. Uh, I'm going to guess, I don't know, the throne at your home? Well, I was there every day. A uh, uh, place that you rule. I was also just in Rome.
2: Uh, uh, when Romans in Rome. Yes, uh, yes.
1: Ta- tra- ta- ta- driving <laughs> the new Lamborghini Revuelto, which is a mouthful. <laughs> That's a hard name. A V and a W together is not natural, at least for, uh, for us. For us, yeah. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, I was there because this is the replacement for the Aventador.
2: Which I finally learned to say properly, and now that I have, they have this whole new name, which is crazy. But the car,
1: it's nuts. It is nuts. And uh, I did a couple things, uh, which we'll show in this episode. um, Because, of course, this appears both as a podcast and then on our um, YouTube talk uh, channel, Mm -hmm. TFL Talk, I did a walk around of the car. Oh, okay. Uh, and because the car is crazy complex, I interviewed the chief technical director for Lamborghini.
2: That is awesome. But before we get to that, I wanted to mention something very important. What's that? This is our 200th episode. Wow. 200th. Wow. Well, how
1: many years is that? 52? It's like four years. <laughs> it's,
2: it's a lot of years worth of uh, doing of, this. Of actually.
1: podcasting, yeah. 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 And... Uh, Uh, Do you feel any smarter because we've done this? No, quite the
2: opposite. In fact, I want to (laughs) apologize to everybody for all the brain cells we've killed of yours. Um, In addition, though, I do want to thank everybody out there, including uh, all those who have supported us on Patreon. Uh, thank you guys so much. Without your support, without you guys tuning in, we wouldn't be doing this.
1: Yeah, you guys are the best, uh, and we appreciate you coming here uh, to the podcast to kind of get the behind the scenes, you know, inside uh, what's happening at TFL. Uh, so let me tell you something I noticed. Uh, please. First, about Rome. Uh, I feel like every smart car in the world and every Mini in the world is in Rome. And rightfully so. Because the streets are so tight. Exactly. So it, it, you'd think you'd go to Rome and see a bunch of Fiats, uh, maybe a bunch of uh, Fiat 500s. You know, you see the old ones, the Cinquecentos. I don't see the new ones. Hmm. I certainly don't see the new, I didn't see the new electric ones. But man, there were a lot of smart cars and a lot of uh, minis. And the smart cars were actually parked butt in to the uh, curb. Yeah, well, that's because the Italians can do that. They're like, yes, <laughs> look what I can do. And then then when you see, like, you know, the, the, the odd American car, it just looks gigantic. <laughs> it, it does, yeah. I, I saw a cheap Cherokee, uh, which isn't all that big, right? No, it's not. The, the new one, right? Yeah. Actually, there's a lot of Jeeps in Rome, surprisingly. I think Jeep does well in Italy. Well, FCA and all that whole combination, I think, is part of it fiat chrysler right which is now of course uh Stellantis. yeah but yeah i was amazed at all the little tiny ass cars and they're all like banged up all to hell i think it must be like new york where it's really hard to have a car yeah uh
2: but once you start moving towards the countryside you see different vehicles which is what i've noticed especially when you go to places that aren't quite as popular as rome at least the last time i was there by the way i know where all the fiat 500s are all the fiat 500s have moved to germany which makes almost no sense (laughs) <laughs> it, but, like, in, in the eastern part of Germany, going towards Jena and those areas, um, it's uh, lower Thuringia, I think they call it. That's, it, like, where all the Fiat 500s went is in that area. And, I don't and know all why. the
1: smart cars and minis went, we to, went, to, went, over, went over to, to yeah. Yeah, all right, So Hey, do you remember um, a few years ago when the Acura NSX came out? Yes, I did. And it was very technically advanced. It had two motors. It had uh, torque vectoring. Uh, not by braking, but by actually speeding up or slowing down the motors on each of the front wheels. Uh, it had this big 500-plus uh, uh, you know, horsepower V6 in the back. Um, mm-hmm. And everybody just kind of said, this car is not what we wanted. It's not what we you know, expected from the next NSX.
2: Yes, but at the same time, I noticed that people really started to hate the fact that it was going away when it was going away.
1: Now, uh, you know the new um, uh, Corvette E-Ray? Yes, it's got battery and two electric motors on the front wheels,
2: short mm-hmm. vectoring. Yeah, sounds sort of familiar. And so did the uh, McLaren
1: P1? Yeah, one of yeah. the McLarens, yeah. yeah. Well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> what they did with the uh, 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 Lamborghini Revuelto uh, was they took their V12 and turned it 180 degrees. So, you know, where you would have normally the, the transmission poking up out of the uh, tunnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got rid of that flipped the engine around, and put a battery in the tunnel. It's like a 17-kilowatt-hour battery. Hmm. Uh, then uh, put uh, two electric engines, I'm sorry, motors, on each of the front wheels, put another motor, uh, and made it through this very trick, and that's why I'm interviewing the uh, in this podcast the director of technology because it's a very complicated dual-clutch with the motor also as part of it. Uh, gave it four-wheel drive, and... Hmm. Um, Gave it uh, a top speed of this, get this, 350 kilometers. So that's 200 and... Well, unofficially 23 miles an hour. Unofficially 223. That's wow. what I, That's what I got told with a nudge, nudge, and a wink, wink. Uh, zero wow. to 60 in like 2.5 seconds. Jeez. Um, 11 kilometers of all electric range. So seven miles, six yeah. miles? Yeah, with a top speed of 80 kilometers in electric and a plug so you could actually plug it into the wall, which ironically is in the frunk. So like you really can't do it on the street because you'd have to open your frunk to plug it in.
2: Oh, so you actually have to pop the hood or yeah. well, the, the front yeah. trunk or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so it's so, a little, okay.
1: Yeah. So basically this, this car is designed to be never plugged in. But if you really had to and you really wanted to, you could plug it in. Can we call it a compliance car? <laughs> yeah, well, it's got a thousand horsepower.
2: I know, but I mean, imagine it, you. I think I don't know if that battery is large enough to get the discounts uh, for a certain, you know, certain programs that are out there. Like, you know, hey, if you have a plug-in hybrid, you actually have a, a small discount coming. So I don't think that's the case. So
1: I was a little terrified because they took us to a track about an hour and a half outside of Rome, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, they separated us into three groups, and of course, I was in the first group. Nah, of course. And you know, jet lagged, and very early in the morning, they threw me in the car and said, "Go at it." <laughs> okay, and I think Paul would have had a ball. You know, I was like, oh my God, I hope I don't wrap this thing, you know, around the racetrack in a way that is not fixable. Uh, they put a race car, a Lamborghini race car driver in front of me. He was really nice. Uh, and, uh, Like most Lamborghinis, uh, I don't fit, Nathan, with a helmet. (laughs) They gave it a little gurney hump to make it a little bit taller. Yeah, I can see it. But basically, the only way I could drive that thing was to lean the seat all the way back. And, of course, I had the sports seat, not the comfy seat, right? Right. Which I don't fit into very well. Uh, So I know I'm whinging. You know, I'm in Rome, the capital of Gelato, and I'm whinging about driving a race car around a racetrack. But you got to keep in mind that, you know, you don't want to have your face tweeted around, or I'm sorry, X'd around the world when you put it into a barrier because, you know, you're you're kind of jet-lagged and not not necessarily... You're not functioning on all cylinders. Yeah, anyway, so yeah, so I was like laying back, helmet on, following this, and I was too scared actually to look down, but then uh, uh, a little video, we've got a little POV video coming up, uh, and I think I got up to 253 kilometers. All right, okay. On the straightaway. Uh, but the good news is uh, that it's very... Uh, Uh, Easy to control because of the torque vectoring so it actually uh, does a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff to keep you on the track and make you look like you're uh, for stopping when you're not
2: (laughs) Okay, well before we get to max and before we get into the next uh, to the video clip that we were talking about yes Quick question for you and this is the most important one that I have for the entire thing. Uh Does it feel like a Lamborghini?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of a hybrid. It is a plug-in hybrid, and because of that screaming, uh, we've got sound of that too. Twelve mm. uh, cylinder. It definitely feels like a Lamborghini. Don't don't worry. They have not toned it down. Uh, in fact, it's got these giant exhausts coming out the back. It's got active aero rear wing, uh, and it's got massive tires, crazy colors, uh, and it's only six hundred thousand. And it sold out for the first well, almost three years. Oh, only six hundred. Yeah, only six hundred. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's cut to the uh, walk around. Uh, and i was a, a little out of breath uh, mainly because i was so nervous <laughs> i wasn't like like unhealthy i was just nervous you know you you, you put me in a six hundred thousand dollar car and it, it's a little bit outside of my comfort level right right well let's check out that video hey guys welcome to rome i am here in italy for the world premiere the first drive of the brand new lamborghini revuelto and this is the fastest Lamborghini that has ever been produced. It is also the very first plug-in hybrid Lamborghini. And in this video, we are gonna do a complete walk around. It's hiding back here. I'm gonna knock on the door. I'm gonna show you everything about the car. We're gonna talk about the design language. We're gonna talk about the engine. We're gonna talk about the horsepower. Uh, We're gonna talk about how much it costs. And at the end, I'm gonna even tell you how you can get one or can't. Stay tuned for that. Anyway, come on in here. Um, And if this looks familiar, it's because it shares the same design language that Lamborghini has had since the Countach and you can tell that by coming over here and looking at this poster now the designer that i just spoke to said he was inspired by a spaceship but there's the Countach there's the Diablo and of course the Murciélago finally the Aventador and now the Revuelto and you can kind of see the design language and where it came from same thing from the back obviously the exhaust locations have changed, but Countach, Diablo, Murcielago, Aventador, and Revuelto. And I gotta say, you know, this is a car that, well, is kind of a bridge between the past and the future. And when I say past, I mean the V12. This car does have a V12, but it also has an electric motor. Now, if you've been with TFL for a long time, you'll note uh, that, uh, maybe five years ago, I did the first drive of the NSX. Uh, and the, kind of the architecture of this car, the internal architecture, is very similar to the NSX. But before we get to talking about the powertrain, and how much power it has, and how it works as a plug-in hybrid, let's talk about the design. So let's go to the front, and let's take a look at it. Uh, and there's another thing that the designer used, and you'll see it everywhere, uh, the letter Y. So, spaceship and the letter Y. And of course, the most prominent letter Y is right there. and uh, That has become kind of a classic of modern Lamborghini design. You'll also see it over here in the wheels. So once again, the letter Y, and by the way, um, you can have two setups. You can have 21s in the front or, and 22s in the back, or you can have 22s in the front and 23s in the back, depending if you want performance or streetability. More Y's, of course, right here in the in the taillights. Once again, a Y, um, and it's just very Y-ish everywhere you look. You can kind of see a confluence of the Y and of the modern spaceship design. Uh, the designer was also proud of this, which is kind of the hump. Uh, and I just spent I don't know about half hour on the track and the here, once again the Gertie hump, if you're looking back into the days of old racing, allows you to have a little bit more room when you're wearing a helmet. Now the car is a little bit bigger than the Aventador, a few centimeters bigger and quite a bit wider uh, and um, that gives it a really, I think, interesting stance uh, and a lot of road presence. Now here's the interesting part, you may be thinking to yourself, what's different about this? Is this car that different from the Aventador? And it is. It's a completely ground-up design. So everything, both on top of the skin and underneath the skin, has changed from the Aventador. But perhaps the most interesting thing that has changed is right here under the hood. By the way, carbon fiber. Check this out. Look at this. Yep. It's got a plug. And that's because this car has a 3.8 kilowatt battery uh, on the front wheels are not connected, and you can hear it out there, so if you hear the sound of an uh, angry V12, it's because of course we're at the racetrack. But I was saying, so the front wheels are not connected with a drive shaft to the rear because this vehicle has not one, not two, but three motors. And so what you have is you have two independent motors in the front, um, V12 in the back, another motor in the back uh, for a combined 1,000, a little bit over 1,000 horsepower um, with the V12 putting out 850 horsepower. Zero to 60, yeah, get this, 2.5 seconds. Top speed of over 350 kilometers, give or take 220 miles an hour. 223 I've heard, um, which is pretty phenomenal. And of course, all-wheel drive all the time. But here's where it gets super interesting. Not only do you have all-wheel drive all the time, but you also have torque vectoring, Uh, so basically not torque vectoring by braking, but torque vectoring by power. So in other words, if you're going around a curve and you want to make sure that the car cuts that perfect apex, the car will send power to the outside wheels, which will spin a little bit faster, giving you a beautiful line, allowing you to cut that apex just right, which I did not do when I drove it on the track. Now let me show you, of course, the most key figure. We're not going inside yet, but of course, every Lamborghini has to have scissor doors, uh, as does this one. But check this out. You'll note, there's no cover on the engine. It's just exposed. And in fact, let me open up the hood, or in this case, uh, the trunk, I guess, so you can see what it looks like. Carbon fiber. When you lift it up, you see much more of the engine bay. Uh, This is how, of course, you fill your Windshield wiper, uh, actually windshield wiper is in the front, there's your oil. Uh, Here is your rear electric motor uh, dual clutch eight-speed transmission. Um, Yeah, Um, the other cool thing about of course not having a cover on top of the engine is not only can you see it uh, but you can also cool it better. So all of these cooling ducts are meant to give this vehicle much better airflow, much more downforce, Um, there is a wing right here, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, that deploys. There's also a control on the uh, steering wheel that allows you to deploy it manually in three different positions. Uh, And unlike, let's say, the Porsche GT RS, uh, this is not a downforce car. So it's not a car that generates a ton of downforce, so when you're going around a corner quickly, you've got all this downforce pushing it down. Uh, It does generate a little bit of downforce. My favorite feature, you can probably guess it, are these two enormous exhaust pipes look at that and you know you may be thinking to yourself it's pretty cool to have exhaust pipes here but you've got the spoiler right on top of it and all that heat coming off could potentially damage that and Lamborghini has thought of that and has actually created uh, an exhaust system that won't damage uh, the spoiler Um, now besides the cool and unique powertrain you also get uh, rear wheel steering so not only do you have uh, uh, vectoring torque vectoring but also rear wheel steering about half a percent or less when you're on the racetrack up to five percent of either this is in phase steering so imagine these are the front wheels or out of phase steering where they turn like that making for easier parking because this is a very wide and fat car. All right let's go on to the inside. Matteo, why don't you hop in there next to me and I'll kind of show you the inside of this car. Lamborghini says what they've done is gotten rid of many of the buttons but kept the ones uh, that are important. So, for instance, you know, the way you start the car. If you're a fan of the Aventador, this is very Jet Fighter-like. Starter button right there. A little placement uh, for your Lamborghini key right there. Uh, you've got your hazards here, and you got your regular fuel flap. Uh, if you're wondering just how fuel-efficient this is, I actually did ask them that, and they said, this was interesting, it's 30% more efficient Uh, than the Aventador. And the Aventador on the American cycle uh, gets 10 mpg combined, so 30% more efficient. You're looking at uh, 13 mpg combined, which obviously isn't uh, what most plug-in hybrids are designed to do. And keep in mind, this plug-in hybrid is specifically designed for performance, not as much for fuel economy. But it is 30% better than the Aventador, which for, you know, a big 1,000 horsepower car is still really good. So let's talk about uh, some of the other controls. Uh, I'm pretty tall, and Lamborghini says that it has generated more or created more space. It is a tight car. Uh, For me, when I was in here driving it uh, around the racetrack, I did have some headroom issues, especially with the helmet. But, you know, that is uh, one of the um, the downsides to, you know, sports cars, especially low-slung sports cars. Now, if you can come over here, I want to show you what's on the steering wheel so come on over here and I'll show you the kind of steering wheel we've got uh, four rotary controls uh, and they all do very specific things so this red one right here let me see if I can get this car to turn back on I wonder if this will start it there we go there we go there's a car Uh, this red one uh, is your mode selector switch so if you can look right there you've got uh, Citta I think that's City Strata and Sport there's also Corsa which is racetrack and if you press the inside the little flag right there Uh, that's your launch control. Um, Now this does two things. Um, Launch control and lets you pick the kind of mode you want and over here are your uh, shock absorber settings so not only can you push this which is a front end lift so if you're on a very low driveway or going over a big bump you can raise the front of the car so you don't hit the spoiler but then if you rotate this you can change the damping on your shock so you can have let's say sport mode with much more comfortable shocks which is kind of interesting over here is your ev button so if you push this uh, you can go all ev Uh, that's kind of interesting the battery like i said is 3.8 kilowatt hours uh, and it allows you to either do recharge you can see that right there recharge hybrid or performance now in uh, pure electric mode uh, the car will go about 11 kilometers on battery power only and up to about 80 miles an hour or 130 kilometers. Or you can go in hybrid mode, of course, which allows you to use both the engine and the three different motors. Or you can go in performance mode, which is what I was doing, um, which allows you to actually use the battery to get as much performance out of the car as possible. The battery lives right there uh, in between um, the front of the car and the back of the car. Uh, And Lamborghini says it's got about a 54, 46 percent weight distribution, so not that ideal 50-50 percent, but there is a big battery here. Uh, Lithium-ion, it's also cooled, uh, so it should last, and the thing that Lamborghini was really stressing about this car is that when you're on the track, you'll never deplete this battery. You'll, in fact, run out of fuel uh, before you will run out of battery power.
3: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently.
1: Uh, Now, paddle shifters, of course, 8-speed transmission, and perhaps one of the coolest things on here, let me see if I can get to that, if I can get to that screen, oh, maybe it's two fingers, what you can do is you can swipe, uh, where is it here, maybe it's over here, there we go, no, that's the climate control, that's not what I want, okay, I'm not great at this, oh, here it is, vehicle, so there's your vehicle settings, there's your dynamic settings and now we do have three screens so let me show you so right here is a speedometer uh, this tells you that I'm in park right now but what you can do is you can like take two fingers for instance uh, and take this g-meter and swipe it over there and it appears right there how cool is that or if you want your TP mess you kind of swipe over and then it's over there same thing if you'd like it to appear over here you could take it and it'll show up if I can get to the right screen which I don't know how to do it'll show up over here so I remember watching Star Trek and seeing people kind of flipping screens from different uh, or different features of screens and you can do that in this car as well um, like I said 8 speed transmission and then back here uh, you've got buttons as well which allow you to control whatever side screen you have so if you have like your radio set up over here you can control the radio and if you have something else set up over here you can control that uh, now uh, the interesting thing and let me, come on over here Mateo let me show you them this I change it Okay, yeah, come on around, yeah, come on around, Mateo. It'll be easier to show. is uh, my videographer today. Thank you very much. If you come over here, uh, like a Tesla, those are your turn signals. Um, so Tesla obviously pioneered, or maybe they weren't the first, to put turn signals on the steering wheel, uh, and Lamborghini has copied that. And you may be wondering what this stock is, because it goes up and down like a turn signal stock. Uh, that is actually your cruise control. Uh, now, this is the first uh, Lamborghini to have full ados in other words um you know blindside monitoring monitoring of the um, of the road so you can stay within the lanes not full self-driving but nevertheless a lot of the controls uh, that most modern cars have you can also adjust the steering wheel right here uh, and it even has a little glove box right there so if you wanted some glove box space you have that Uh, it does come with both apple carplay and android auto And I do love uh, the feel of this steering wheel. Of course, leather, beautiful uh, French stitching everywhere you touch. It feels very expensive with a lot of carbon fiber because the tub itself is a carbon fiber tub. So it does, um, you know, the supercar proud. Uh, Let me get out for a second and we'll kind of wrap up this initial walk around. I wanna hit the videographer. And, And Lamborghini says it's actually pretty easy to get in and out of. And I have to agree, you know, because I have a hard time being a taller driver getting it out of these cars. I mean, let me turn it off. Punch it off here. There we go. Uh, And it's not that difficult to get out. A little bit harder when you have a helmet. But i got to tell you, even though this car is very much track focused, I'm not sure how many people will actually take this on the track. So let's kind of wrap up what this car is and what it competes against. Uh, the SF90 Stradale would be an obvious competitor, obviously a Porsche GT3 RS, a lot cheaper, because I was gonna tell you how much it costs, $600,000, give or take, for the new Revuelto. The downside to that is, if you're looking for one of these, uh, Lamborghini says that they have pretty much sold out the first two, maybe even three years of production. So unfortunately, uh, it's beautiful car is already sold out. I guess um, people really want a car that's kind of this hybrid, not just in terms of what it is, but in terms of where Lamborghinis going. Now, you're gonna hate hearing this, but it's true. Uh, the auto industry is going electric, and this is kind of a bridge. So if you still love the passion and the power and the performance of that giant engine in the back, um, and get 6.5 liters, 850 horsepower, you can get it. And if you want, the technical sophistication of having a car that runs on electricity and then then has torque vectoring, has four-wheel steering, uh, and is computer controlled so that you can get the most performance out of it on the track and at the same time have a comfortable driving experience, well, uh, this could be your car. Uh, delivery should start before the end of the year uh, and I got to tell you. Uh, I really want one. I just don't have $600,000 <laughs> to spend on a car, but it's absolutely stunning. Uh, certainly everything a Lamborghini should be. Uh, maybe if you can show them kind of going around the track. Oh, look at that. Over there uh, is the LM, what is that, 2000, uh, the Rambo Lambo. Do you see it, Matteo, hiding behind the uh, Urus, the red car? Let's show them the car on the track. Actually, let's go, you know what, let's go to the front. We'll show them the car on the track so you can see what, it, what it's like when when it's on the track. And you can listen to it because the sound of that uh, engine is just glorious. So let's go uh, let's go see what they look like. They're all over here. Many colors. I think uh, they said up to 400 different colors uh, to choose from. I love this uh, matte gray color, but I'm kind of a fan of the orange, even though the yellow is pretty good. So these guys should be leaving pretty soon. We'll get a sense for what it sounds like. There he goes. And then maybe we can zip over here and go to the track and we'll see one as they come come by. Uh, This is a very fast track. Uh, The straightaway, I think you get up. You know, I was driving it and I was too scared to look at the speedometer. But I bet you it's, you know, well in the... 200 kilometer range. And Let me know in the comment below what's your favorite color and we'll end this video as, as they come around in full tilt and you guys can get a sense for what it sounds like. Uh, you know, I kind of feel like uh, we're living in interesting times because obviously we're going from internal combustion to electrification uh, and this kind of in-between step, oh yeah. <laughs> even though it's You know uh, something that uh, a lot of people out there think is uh, not great because you're carrying around basically two power in this case three power trains right you've got three electric motors and this big giant uh, v12 in the back not exactly the lightest thing in the world but when you do combine them in such interesting ways that it makes it much easier to drive the car makes it much easier to steer the car especially at its limit uh, it does make for a very entertaining car and I gotta tell you I was really scared here they come listen we'll wait for the next one here comes some more yeah we'll show them that's great I gotta say when I first came here, I was invited to this program on my birthday, and I was both excited and a little terrified. You know, taking a thousand horsepower car on a racetrack uh, where you're, you know, at full boil, unless you're Paul, is rather scary. But this car is a pussycat. Uh, so, Nathan, is this a car that um, if you had one, well, as of this taping, there was a $1.7 billion lottery that somebody won. If you yeah, had won that, of, yeah. would you go and kind of bribe your way into buying one of these so that you could get to the head of the line? Or would you, you know, it competes like with the, uh, I think it's the SF90, uh, Stradale, 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 Ferrari. Uh, or, you know, would you just settle for basically an ERA, which cost about, uh, you know, $500,000 less, but it's very similar in terms. Of, I guess there's like this thing now where, All the manufacturers of supercars and performance cars are kind of hedging their bets, right? They want to make them, you know, more green, and I'm using air quotes here. Um, So uh, they still have electrification as part of the vehicle, but it's used to actually increase performance, not to actually make it any less. I mean, I I don't know what the fuel economy is, but I did ask the old, can you guess? Okay, here, let's play a game. Can you guess what the Aventador was combined? Mm, 11. Close, very good. Ten. Ten. and I did ask. They haven't had. They didn't have the official numbers, but they said that this one is about thirty percent better. So if you do the math, you're at thirteen combined. Maybe thirteen. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's the, hey. That but that's that's quite. Is it? But is it premium or is it? You know, because that matters.
1: Yes, I'm sure it's premium. <laughs> I don't think you're going to Sam's Club and putting in the eighty-five. Oh come octane. on,
2: see that's a, that's how. how does, does, I
1: mean? But does the design? It's a little bit longer, a couple centimeters longer. It's a little bit wider. Uh, does the design? Does the look of this thing make you like? want to swoon and mortgage your house it's a really
2: pretty car i like uh what they did with the front light effect which really draws out the front end design which is super super sharp so it sort of kind of has a gallardo feel to it you know what i mean like really exotic lines big air intakes all that if you look at the
1: headlights you'll notice the y basically and you'll see that everywhere you look so if you look on the front hood, you can see the Y. If you look Air there, intake, yep. You see the Y. Yeah,
2: and on the back, too, it has the same type of got thing. Got the Y it, headlights. It's, yep, it's, the, their, it's their signature on that car. That part's cool. Um, it, I'm, I'm not a Lamborghini guy. I'm not a Ferrari guy either, um, you know, in terms of what I, I long after and everything else. Um, but I would say between Ferrari and Lamborghini, if I had to choose between the two of them, of course I'd choose this. This thing looks fantastic.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's still going to spit fire out the exhaust. Yeah, I like spitting fire. If you really wanted it to do that. Uh, And it's certainly going to get the premium space at the restaurant. Uh, You know, what the valet does with it once you go in. (laughs) Well, I'm sure there's some sort of
2: special valet, you know, mode or whatever. Um, Actually... I would rather get the, the new Alfa Romeo that they came out with. Oh, the which really supercar? Yeah. Yeah, that's Stradale. Oh, that thing is pretty. But I wouldn't fit anyway. It doesn't matter what car it is. My big butt won't fit in them anyway. But uh, yeah, good-looking car. I'm really happy to hear that it still sounds like a proper Lamborghini. The question is, how does it drive?
1: You know, um, I, I, I can show you. <laughs> so what we can do is we can cut to the video of some raw sound so you can hear what it sounds like. Uh, You could see me trying to keep up with the uh, race car driver in front of me, and luckily he was kind enough to, you know, uh, show me where the apexes are. It's remarkable how much easier it is to go around a track when you're following somebody who knows the way around the (laughs) track. Lead follow is the best way to learn any track in my book, yeah. Yeah, and they they were great about that. Uh, The other great thing about, uh, you know, going on this program was uh, just how Lamborghini had set up the content creation for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they had... Well, they had one thing I didn't like, so get this. Uh, before we go to the sound of it, I'll tell you the story. Um, there was actually a guy with an LM002 who showed up. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We put that up on uh, up on our… Uh, um, uh, Classics? No, TikTok. Opera? Oh, TikTok. I did a little TikTok with it, altfl.com. Anyway, uh, they, they broke us up into like four groups, and we had four things we could do. One of them was, of course, do track time. And I got to say, I wussed out. Uh, they gave us four sessions of four laps each, uh, and I did two, and I was like, okay… I've had enough. I well, you're, you're not a
2: professional race car driver, right? Uh, I mean, if Paul was there, he would do nine as opposed to just. He
1: four. would be like racing the, the, the guy in front of him. They'd oh yeah, other, and then they know he would because he's yeah. that good. Yeah, and, and, and you know, uh, I, I don't pretend to be a race car driver. So uh, for me, I think I had learned about as much as I could after the uh, second time out there. Right. Plus, I didn't fit in the car. You know, when your helmet is... and that's that's really it's yeah. not you don't it's hard to get comfortable when when you're, you know, in, in this uh, very tight cabin. And it's bigger than the previous one. Anyway, so they had that. Uh, they had a design uh, studio set up, so they kind of show you. That's why I know it's the Y design language. Uh-huh. But the freakiest one, uh, and being jet-lagged, uh, was kind of weird. Was uh, They did virtual reality. <laughs> so so you, you put on uh, the virtual headsets, mm-hmm. uh, and then basically uh, they spent a half hour going over the brakes, you know, the... Uh, the the rear oh rear wheel steering as well mm-hmm. uh, you know they would just cut away the car uh, and by about twenty minutes I was feeling pretty sick to my stomach <laughs> zipping around <laughs> this car with a, you know with Flooding various around. layers being like a, exploded off of it <laughs> and, and and here's a question I had yeah. okay Here, and I maybe you answered it already but it is so complicated right rear wheel steering no drive shaft between the front and the rear engine mm-hmm. this. Dual clutch transmission with an electric motor sandwiched in between, torque vectoring on two motors in the front. Right. Uh, a battery that on the track, the uh, director, of techn- director of technology said, you will run out of fuel before you use up the battery. right? Mm-hmm. So wow. it's, it's meant to be used. But why not just go all electric? It would be so much simpler.
2: I think that that's their next step eventually.
1: Yeah, I think mean, you're right.
2: for one thing, a uh, very simple reason. People who buy a Lamborghini want a Lamborghini. So
1: they, they, they don't
2: want an electric car want, that can go want, really they fast. Want,
1: they want a, V2, a V12 that's They want that's the
2: fire. V12, or they at least want a V8 that sounds you know, like yeah. a monster. Um, their best-selling vehicle is their V8, which is in the Urus. I mean, that thing is outselling everything else they've ever produced. And the whole point of Lamborghini is to be folly and crazy and out there, and everybody's looking at you. And if you're cruising by in a, you know... It's a,
1: about flexing.
2: Maybe Flack can't stand that term, but yeah, it's, it's about showing, showing off, off, right. And that's the whole point. So I would say that they're waiting as long as they humanly can until they absolutely must only build electric vehicles. Then they will.
1: Do you remember when we had the Murcielago a long time ago? The guy brought it up. I think it was, it was either a, a Murcielago or the, what was the other one, the, the later one? There were two of those in that. No, it was a Murcielago. And he uh, he showed up, and he didn't have his shoes on. I don't know if it was, we did it, like, this is a long, long time ago. Yeah, like, yeah, I remember
2: hearing about this. I wasn't there, there for that. Yeah, and
1: he, he, I was like, why aren't you wearing your shoes? And he's like, I can't fit my, he had big feet, I can't fit my shoes in the footwell without taking my yep. shoes off. So he showed up and he's driving a barefoot. And this is the thing, right? Lamborghinis have always been about, like, you know, going in a straight line, kind of like a muscle car, an Italian muscle car, you know, with a lot of design, and showing off to your friends and showing off to the rest of the world. Whereas Ferraris, you know, because of their Formula One, right? Enzo has always been more of a race car driver than he actually. I don't think he cared about the road going cars for a long time. He
2: didn't. He didn't really want to ever build them. He had to. At but but,
1: but he, here's here's the kind of the conundrum of this car, because of all the technology, and because of course you know it's owned by. Lamborghini is owned by the Volkswagen Group, which also owns Porsche, and so there's a lot of parts in there that are shared with many of the Audi and whatnot. Exactly, Uh, the car is actually really good on track. Previous cars built by Lamborghini have been great, but not you know not the sharpest knife in the drawer when it comes to being on track. This thing, like I said, was incredible on the track. Uh, and it still had that kind of classic Lamborghini DNA. So um, I worry about the complexity of it. If I owned it, I think, you know, you probably make sure you do all your required maintenance. Well, th- that's what your butler's for. Or <laughs> you know, have
2: him, give him a, hey, here's a treat. Take the car, have it maintained. I know it's only four miles away, but go ahead, live it up.
1: So let's do a deep dive on the technology. There but first, uh, let me jump in this thing and you guys can hear what it's like uh, for me to be in this thing Uh after uh, doing a couple laps on a very high-speed racetrack. So what's it like to drive a uh... The Lamborghini uh, Revuelto on a track, well, it's quite exhilarating, but in a lot of ways for somebody who's not a uh, race car driver like Paul, who we usually use, it's actually not as terrifying as you may think uh, because of uh, the weight distribution of the car and mainly because of the all-wheel drive. It can send power to the rear, it can send power to the front wheels, it can do torque vectoring, and it makes... Uh, You know, going around a track, uh, much easier for novice drivers like myself. But, does that make it any less exhilarating? In some ways, yes, but sometimes being terrified can be fun. But oftentimes being terrified is just being terrified by a thousand horsepower car. And it's nice to be able to feel like you can take it on a very fast, high speed track and not look like an idiot doing it so I'm gonna give this car the Roman approval uh, for high-speed driving on a racetrack. My name is Ruben Moore, I'm the Chief Technical Officer of Lamborghini. Well thank you very much uh, for taking the time to show us the new uh, Revuelto, Do I say that right?
4: No, it's, it's really excellent.
1: Okay. The pronunciation is excellent. Does that come, is that a bow? Yeah,
4: yeah, exactly. it's a, based on our tradition we always use bull names for the cars and also this was a very successful bull and on top it has the meaning in spanish revuelto is something like mixing up you know therefore we mix up let me say the best of the combustion world the v12 with the electrification bringing into the new concept
1: so we're here um, at the racetrack outside of rome where we've just been driving the new car Uh, and obviously this is a replacement for the aventador yeah Uh, but you guys have made the car faster you guys have made it more powerful, you guys have made it more fuel efficient, yeah. and you guys have made it actually better on the racetrack. Right. right. You're the man who's done that, technically. Yeah, Not,
4: not only me, well, I mean, I team. have a huge team, yeah, so it's always out. not a single yeah. one-man show, you know. So
1: why don't we show them the car so they can see it. So from a design standpoint, I noticed that the Y is very prominent. Yeah. yeah. You want to show them the Y material? Just show them that you can see the Y in the headlights, you can kind of see it. And everywhere you look in the car, there's a Y in the wheels. Yeah, exactly.
4: I mean, the Y, we have two characteristic shapes. It's a Y shape and the hexagon. Yes. This is based on the history, always some iconic elements that we use in some cases to to underline our characteristic shape of the car.
1: So would it be fair to say that this is a car that's kind of a bridge between internal combustion and electrification? Because you've got kind of the best of both worlds here, right? Yeah, exactly. You've got that traditional uh, V12 and you've got uh, two no three electric motors uh, two in the front and one in the rear that's a bit. that's very technical there's a lot going on and you've got all you got rear wheel steering yeah you've got true torque vectoring not by braking yeah. so so tell me about how you decided to do the next and the fastest adventure like that i mean to be honest you're right it's from the complexity a very
4: advanced drivetrain And we have decided to go in this direction to avoid any compromise because we we said, okay, if a Lamborghini goes in the electrified world, it has to have advantages for the customer. So not only the good numbers on the paper, so real performance, performance consistency, and also very high level of emotions because we know that we and our customers love that the car has a character. We didn't want to lose this character in the let me say, only by introducing new technology. So for us, the, let me say the fundament was improving the performance, improving the drivability, the driving thrill, remaining and even increasing
1: the level of emotions. Well, let's go inside, we'll close the door, and we'll sit down and talk about that some more. Yeah. Because it's going to get loud. Can you close yeah. the garage for us, do you mind? So 3.8 kilowatt hour battery. How does the battery interact with the internal combustion engine? Tell me about the dynamics of that. I mean, first of all, I have
4: to say that the, the, the main, I start always with the targets because you, and at the end of the day, from the engineering perspective, you need to have, have a clear vision and mission. And based on this, then you define the components because it's not, if you start with the components, okay. eventually you're a little limiting already. So what was something. the vision? I mean, the vision is to have, for sure, bring the performance on another level, but also to ensure the performance consistency. And performance consistency in this context means that the performance of the car has not to depend strongly on the state of charge of the battery. This was one point. And secondly, that we ensure that under even under hard pushing driving conditions, you were pushing today very hard, you are not able to empty the battery. And therefore, you end up with a rec- number of recuperative energy that you need. Based on this, you decide the battery size and the electric motors. And then you have, then you end up with the architecture, not the opposite way around.
1: So you set a goal and then you bring in the architecture to meet that goal. Exactly.
4: I mean, at the end of the day, all the single technology has to support the task of the car. And the task of the car is for sure to to allow the best performance of every street Lamborghini, but also to have
1: this kind of emotional involvement. So we've got some pretty impressive numbers, zero to 60 or 100 kilometers yeah. in 2.5 seconds. Yes, right. Top speed around 330 kilometers, or about no, 350 KM. 350, sorry. Even and, a little bit higher. And like just over 220, uh, 30% better fuel economy than the outgoing Aventador, yeah. which if you do the math is around 13 MPG, so it's not oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's still a supercar.
4: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, for sure it's clear, but, but this was also part of the concept. We didn't want to have a downgrade from the performance perspective. We want to have more. We have more combustion power. We have on top the electric component, not only for the power but also for the drivability. I, I mean, probably you can confirm that the drivability of this car ha- is not only one step forward; it's even several steps forward comport- compared to the predecessor.
1: Yeah. Now, one of the things obviously that this car is not is a high downforce car, right? There's a there's a uh, there is a, a spoiler that's movable, yeah, but yeah. it's not like a Porsche 911 GT3 RS. No, it's a different category. Yeah, it's so. a different category. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, tell me about how you use torque vectoring to make it, you know, drive better on the track. Yeah,
4: I mean, at the end of the day, this is the key for, for the re, or this is the reason why the car drives like it drives, because we use this f- flexibility on the front axle with two independent electric motors, extra flux machine, by the way to control the positioning of the car following the trajectory what the driver wants to have. There are two different scenarios. Scenario one is that the, the car recognizes or oh, the driver wants to go in the corner, then we use the torque vector and the rear wheel steering to shorten the radius means we position the car that the car is easier turning in the corner. Which makes
1: it, makes it feel smaller, it, makes it feel makes more it nimble. Smaller.
4: Exactly, it feels much more compact, yes. much more it's compact. It's a big car. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah. This is part also of the DNA because the Lamborghini is always an optical statement also. If you see the car, you have to say, okay, I respect this is really an, uh, let me say, uh, uh, impressive car. On the other hand, what you mentioned, we use the torque vector in fast corner situations also to stabilize the car so we make technically wise exactly the opposite we are controlling the yaw angle in the sense that before the ESC, the control let me say the control umbrella would jump in we use the torque vectoring to position the car in a most stable way so and this gives you the impression that the car has subjectively more downforce force from the stand. stability point so like of view has more
1: downforce than in reality it has and then you're not using downforce as much which is also detrimental to power they are all top speed i mean you yeah. know that
4: in our for our brand also the top speed is a huge a huge kpi we didn't want to have a i mean because you have to you have to live with compromise if you have if you build up a huge downforce car you sacrifice the top speed and in this car we didn't want to sacrifice the top
1: speed was it a challenge putting all these components into one car because when you deconstruct a the car, there's a lot to it, right? Yeah. I mean, it would be easier if it was all electric, right? Because you wouldn't have to marry all these different components. So you've got a dual clutch transmission, which eight is speed, yeah. eight speed. You've got uh, you know, a big inter- internal combustion engine. You've got three motors. You've got a battery that you got to cool. There's a lot going yeah, on exactly, in this car. Exactly. you got rear wheel steering.
4: I mean, therefore, from the technical complexity, it's more complex than yes. a full electric car. Yes. And for sure also more complex than a, than a combustion car. The real complexity, I have to say, is not so much, for sure, you have to package all the things. So you have to bring the, let me say, the hardware in the car. The real, uh, the real deal is the electronic interaction. And also then, if you have the control strategy of the car, to do it seamless and homogeneous. Because there are also, the, the risk is that you lose a little bit, let me say, um, your way. And that the driver feels some strange movements, some strange but,
1: reactions. I mean, I guess what you could get is a car that feels like it's being driven by a computer, right? Yeah, because exactly, there's so much going exactly. on. So you like play,
4: you, no, no, nothing against PlayStation, but a little bit like, yeah, uh, you, like you lose,
1: uh, you lose a computer the, game. Yeah? You lose the soul. Yeah, and, and this
4: is this is something for sure we have to we have to avoid as much as we can because Lamborghini is about soul. I mean, we are always, also in the past, we were always about performance, but not only. We are not the brand that is defining the brand value, the brand positioning only via the lap time. For sure, we want to improve. We want always to beat ourselves, to beat the competitors. But it's not only about lap time. It's also about the smile of the driver is he, if he, during his driving. And to have this, you need a you need an authentic behavior and you need let me say also a limit that a driver not a race driver can access because at the end of the day the majority of our customers are not race drivers and if they cannot enjoy the car sorry, it's not the right uh, its not the right target.
1: Do you think that this car has come along at the right time? So what I'm thinking to myself is, you know, eight years ago or something, there were these hyper cars that were hybrids, right? The NSX is very similar to this in its makeup, uh, the P1, but maybe those cars were just a little too early for their time. Mm-hmm. You, you think that we're at the right time now for, for this kind of a hybrid where you get, I think, what, 11 kilometers of pure electric, yeah? but you have a hybrid that's meant for, track as much as it is for fuel economy yeah.
4: I mean to be honest for sure there is always in, in in the history there is always this kind of forerunner that by the way you need also for the technical uh, for the technological progress so I, I would not say that it was too early for them uh, because I mean if I look at the for instance the 918 spider it was also a very sophisticated car with a with a with a very let me see, good integration of all the things, but for sure, you feel that in the technology 10 years after, or even more, for sure, you have today much more possibilities. And therefore, for us, it was now the right time because now we have the ingredients that there is no disadvantage for the customer. There's really no disadvantage. I mean, the hybridization brings more performance, brings more drivability, and even in more, more let me say more emotions more? i give you I give you one stupid okay. example for instance the hybrid power allows us to focus on the combustion engine more on the high ref region mm-hmm. so we have even increased the refs we have from the camshaft from the timing we, we could focus from the torque curve much more on the high ref limit because we have the electric torque at the beginning at the end, you are faster out of the corner, and you have more fun if, rever- if you are revving up the engine. So there is really only plus points.
1: So this is my—I call it softball question, the easy one. What's your favorite part of the car? If you know, if you look at it, what are you the proudest of? What's the thing that you would point to and say that is something that is so interesting and unique that no other vehicle has it?
4: For my point of view, it's that for my for my personal taste, it's the first hybrid supercar that. Is not permanently indicating the driver. Ah, I'm driving a hybrid. Ah, I'm doing this. It's simply a very fast, highly emotional supercar, and on this, I'm proud of.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Lamborghinis have always been, as the youngsters like to say, about flexing too, right? It's it's not just about, <laughs> like you said, lap. If you want lap times, get the STO, yeah. right? But if you want something that obviously, you know, has beautiful stance you take to the restaurant and it'll get parked in the front. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what Lamborghinis have been about. Uh, but by the way, if you speak about stance, this is also a good
4: point because Amitya uh, and me, we worked also, and for sure the people that were involved, we worked a lot on the, on the um, let me see on the right height, uh-huh. as well as on the, on the offset of the, of, the, of the
1: rims. Yeah, it's interesting, you, get, you can get 21s and 22s or 22s and 23s. Yeah. Why, why that? So 21s in the front, 22s in the back, or 22s in the front and 23s in the back. Why that choice? Why, why those two different tire and wheel size combinations? I mean, this is a little bit for sure. First, a design topic
4: because for us, let me say how the car is really like you said on the from the stance point of view is looking. Let me say standing on the wheels, this makes um, especially for car guys. There are it's, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, I it mean, makes a huge the bigger difference. the better. And then for sure, if you let me say. Uh, based on the new t- uh, tire technology, it's also from the tire point of view um, in the meantime, possible to have, let me say, this this bigger wheel at the at the rear without any disadvantage. And the fact that we offer also 20, not 20, them. this would not make so much sense, but uh, you could try No, I'm joking. I mean, uh, the fact that we offer also, let me say, the smaller for sure, from the pure driving performance point of view, the smaller rim size, is the better choice because you have much more possibilities with the tire
1: compound. I noticed that uh, you didn't put the charger uh, plug on the outside of the car, but you put it inside yeah. the frunk. Yeah. And so I don't think this is a car that somebody's going to be pulling up to a public charger <laughs> and plugging in, right? This is more of a car that you plug in at home or you never plug in. Right.
4: Theoretically, this is therefore, I mean, for sure, the fact that the plug is not uh, or let me say the, the charge, the opening for the charging is under underhood is, has aesthetic reasons because we don't want it to avoid, let me say, an additional opening. This is reason one. The reason two is In reality, you're right. In fact, you are not enforced to charge the car because based on the recuperation concept and the power management in the car, the energy management, basically, you can really recharge during driving extremely fast. In five to eight minutes, depending on your driving profile, the battery is full again. So,
1: so you were saying that uh, there's never a situation where the battery will be completely empty. Yeah, so I mean, for
4: sure, if you drive full electric, yeah. then you can empty the battery.
1: But um, on the track. So you'll, on the, on you'll the, on run out the, of fuel before you run out of battery. On the battery. majority
4: of the tracks, never, because you run out here, for instance, I can give you the example on this track and you have still also some really high, let me say, high load sectors. So it's not that it's, a, it's not a tiny racetrack Vallelunga. You have also yeah, a reach uh, up to 270 kph. And here you can deplete.
1: I was wondering how fast, because I was too scared to look at the speedometer.
4: No, I mean it. it depends a little bit on your exit speed of the last corner before the straight line. But you can you can reach up to two hundred seventy. But then you are really fast. I mean, if you have two hundred forty, you are already fast. You are already fast. And to be honest, in this racetrack, after five laps, you have to refuel the car, so the 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 gas. Probably the tires as well. And. The tires after probably 10 laps depending a little bit on how how, how much you are pushing and the, the, the depleting of the state of charge is 10-15%. So.
1: Will you ever get to a point where the car electrically derates itself because the wires are getting too hot or the battery is getting too hot or have you not gotten there?
4: Uh, on this, to be honest, we uh, we made a really strong test uh, of the car. We stressed that the car really a lot, especially in the south of Italy where in the summer it's really close to 40 degrees. Also, here, I mean, today it's not so, but uh, yesterday and the day before it was really also hot. hot and there is no derating of the battery because the battery itself is a... Uh, it's only one line of mo- of modules in series and we cool the battery actively from both sides so we have we have really a good te- thermal management of the battery itself it's not like in the if you speak about full electric car sometimes you have the problem that you cannot bring out the heat in the inside of the battery because if you have not a direct cooling or really cooling from every side it's hard let me say to bring the, the heat out of the battery in our case it's not so an issue because we have only one, one string at the end of the day
1: now I noticed that you can also change the uh, dampening on the, on the shock absorbers, yeah. and what you can do is you can pick like Strada, right, which is street, but you can also then get the kind of um, stiffness out of the shocks that you would have in Corsa mode. That's yeah. kind of cool that you can customize the, yeah. uh, the, you know, how, how, how firm you want the ride to be based on, yeah. not just the pre program, but based on your individual yeah. needs.
4: And this is also a thing that for sure today at the at our track day, it's, it's not the main focus point, but I can tell you that also on this, the, the new Revuelto is a huge step compared to the to the predecessor, because the bandwidth of between driving, comfort and handling and performance capabilities is incredible, because on this car also regarding the shifting behavior, for instance, you have in sport and Corsa still a very emotional shifting, a very fast shifting. Yeah, I noticed that very fast. But if you drive on strada, you have also an automatic mode, a very smooth shifting. So, mode. You so it's, then you can also let me say long distance traveling is easier. You're not so stressed. Also in the city center, you have not this kind of uh, nicking. So it's really uh, from the from the let me say from the purpose that the customer can use the car. It's really. Uh, in, in, uh, incredible step forward. Does the
1: car have over-the-air updates? Can you update some of the things over-the-air? Can you change them? We we have
4: the we have the uh, over-the-air update uh, capability in the mm-hmm. car.
1: I noticed, it, I noticed it has CarPlay and Android Auto as well, yeah. uh, and full, I mean the, full ADAS as well, which is cool. Yeah, is that first Lamborghini that has ADAS? All of the you know driver aids. In the Urus we have it. Okay. But in our super first first supercar. That
4: I mean, in the in the Avento though, we even didn't had uh, um, uh, cruise control. Okay. I'm not speaking about ad- adaptive cruise control, but or not cruise but cruise control.
1: regular cruise control. Yeah, and,
4: and this is for sure, especially if you are in a in a country where there's a speed limit. I mean, this is a big advantage if you have it.
1: I noticed that you've got the turn signals on the steering wheel. Yep. I know Tesla kind of pioneered that. Do you think that people like that? I'm not sure. You know, because when you do this, the the, the Signal switch sides, basically. But it's a
4: little bit. It's a little bit also in our history, you know. I mean, the the the, the Huracan also has it. I mean, on the, the steering wheel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess it's. So uh, the, our customers uh, should should be familiar with it. Um, we only have it uh, at, at the Urus for sure. We don't have it in the Urus. We have a classical indicator. But in the Urus, we have also, let me say, the steering wheel, fixed pedals. And in our supercars, we have the uh the the fixed pedals on the steering column
1: my favorite part i think on the car besides the look of it is how you can then swap uh some of the functionality like you you take two fingers and you swipe from one side and you take the app and you put it on the passenger side or you put it on the driver's side this i
4: mean this is also a thing and for sure it's a gimmick but it's something that is that also i really like because especially the younger customer generation they expect even if you speak about a supercar They expect that you have a coupling of of your cell phone, that you have the latest state of the art of connectivity, that you can control the car with your app and so on. And I think also on this, we are really um, benchmarked in this segment at least.
1: Now this car was uh, ground up new, right? Uh, new, New chassis, new carbon fiber tub, um, and of course, Lamborghini is owned by the Volkswagen Group. Will this be shared with some of the other companies in the Volkswagen Group? Is this something that eventually Audi will get or Porsche will get? You know. I mean, at the moment, for sure, it's
4: first of all, it's a big advantage for us to be part of this group because we can share competences, technology, but we can also, let me say, rely on um, on the expertise, on the experience. I give you one example. I mean, even if for Lamborghini, it's the first. Um, electrified car in the group for sure not. And uh, you can, based on the lessons learned, you can avoid a lot of mistakes. Coming back to your original point, if it's planned that these components are shared in the group at the moment, not, but never say never. I mean, let's see what is what are the plans. For sure we are like, we are also using, let me say part of the group that are not brand defining, for instance, uh, air conditioning system or the basic electronic architecture we are also providing uh, the competence and uh, the technology uh, in the the other way around. It's not a one-direction road.
1: Yeah, so it makes development a little cheaper, I suspect. You don't have to to completely reinvent the wheel every time.
4: Exactly, especially for things that are really not brand-defining because it would not make sense to develop or to scout for a different uh, air-conditioning system if you have one available or if you have a, a working electronic architecture, why to invent it new? But for sure, for the things that are brand-defining, def- like in, in the case of the Revuelto, Monocoque completely developed by us, new, Gearbox completely exclusive for us, completely new, engine new, front axle completely new, battery completely new, So at the s- suspension. So at the end of the day, in the car, there is no carry-over part, no relevant carry-over part from the, from the Aventador, and
1: have you, no... Co- have you driven it on the Autobahn yet? S- sorry? Have you driven it on the Autobahn yet? On the Autobahn, yeah. yeah, for sure. No, have you driven it on the Autobahn? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
4: What's it like to drive it on the Autobahn? To be honest, I mean, this is part of our test procedure. Not yeah. only me driving, but for the sure, other engineers. But yeah. the others engineers also, but me also. I mean, I'm someone that that also I want to know what I'm talking about. You know, I'm not someone that is only a PowerPoint engineer sure. that is only giving the results. I want to experience myself, and I can tell you that's amazing because the the high speed stability of this car is incredible. And also, let me say, for sure, the power, the acceleration. If you accelerate from, from 100, for instance, to 200, it's incredible
1: fast. Well, thank you very much. I really it was appreciate a pleasure. Yeah, thanks yeah. for taking the time. Guys, thanks for watching, and uh, we'll see you next time. Ciao.
3: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies.